Drive on WNSP 105.5. Hope everybody has had a tremendous work week and is enjoying 2024 thus far. And as we enter 2024, you know the transfer portal is wide open. And as we were talking yesterday on the show about the transfer portal for Ole Miss and Quinshawn Jukins and also Alabama's center, Seth McLaughlin, of course, entering his name into the transfer portal. Well, a name that was not expected to have been jumped in the transfer portal, running back Roy Dale Williams has entered his name, according to multiple reports. Why are you leaving, Corey? Why? Yeah. Well, I think that there's a very crowded backfield. And Roydale has an opportunity to be one of the featured backs instead of sharing a backfield, showing that he's not just a third down back, but showing that he can be an everyday down type of back. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you he was Alabama's second leading rusher behind Jace McClellan. You think maybe Ole Miss and Alabama do a little running back swap? I don't think there's anything wrong with Roydale going to somewhere like Ole Miss. I would love to see the Hueytown native go to somewhere in the SEC and get his shine on. But I I know that when you you look at what he has to do and the ability for him to save his best for his senior year, five touchdowns, 560 yards, and I I think that he could be – that type of versatile back for sure that can help a program. Now, the other former Alabama player that has jumped into the portal was one that I didn't see coming either. We know that Talia Tungavailoa opted out of the Music City Bowl. But here's the kicker with Talia. Talia would have to be granted a special waiver and granted a six-year of eligibility. So now we're talking about the NCAA, right, and whether they want to go ahead and grant him that six year of eligibility, but he comes away. I mean, can you enter the portal until that's granted to sure. you? Sure, I absolutely you can. Why not? I so mean, a go team ahead. Can be like, hey man, we want you to be our quarterback next year if you can play. He, he, and that's okay. that's kind of a a notion that you're taking. I mean, he can always say, look, I want to opt into the draft as well because when he opted out of the bowl game. We knew either he was going to go and decide to declare for the NFL and or he was going to hit the transfer portal. Right. And I think Coach Loxley has shown him nothing but love. And when you're sitting there and you're Maryland's career passing yards leader and career completions leader and the leadership that he brought to Maryland and the stability that he brought to Maryland from Alabama when he left Alabama, Found a great home and with Coach Loxley at Maryland. Tremendously successful. Rewrote their record books. And now having that possible one more year of eligibility, you're absolutely right. You would like a ruling sooner than later on whether he's going to be cleared with that waiver. But we are talking about the NCAA, Nick. Right. I heard rumors that he might go to uh, Miami. And playing for the school right next to his brother's NFL team. I mean, it makes sense. Hey, it, it would make travel a, ho- a whole lot better for the Tungavailoa family. 
I could promise you that. It's not like Miami wouldn't take him. Nah, nah, absolutely. Coming up next here on the final drive, we'll talk to Jake Crane, Crane and Company. Look forward to getting his opinion on the college football semifinals, the transfer portal, along with the national championship game between the Washington Huskies and the Michigan Wolverines. Jake Crane scheduled to join us next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Friday's edition means none other than Jake Crane joining us here on the final drive. Jake, hope you had a wonderful and prosperous new year and you were able to enjoy staying up to see those two terrific national semifinal games. And boy, oh boy, if you were a betting man, I would not have believed that both games would come down literally to the final play. Yeah, well, uh, first off, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Hope you had a great holiday as well. And, uh, yeah, we got two great games. Uh, not only that, we got two great games that were on each end of the spectrum. You know, one was more of a low-scoring defensive battle. The other one was a little more high-flying, kind of about what we thought. Uh, but, no, it, it ended up being some very entertainment televi- uh, great entertainment television. And, you know, like we said, college football on the field is, is as good as it's ever been. It actually really was the best that it's ever been. And we'll go to that first game that everybody was waiting and anticipating between Harbaugh and Saban. And, you know, you have the goat and you have what a lot of people call the other animal, the cheetah there. But, no, I I think that when you had Michigan versus Alabama, it was must-see TV and everyone was shocked by Alabama's offensive line kind of unraveling there in the first half and giving up those five sacks and ugly, rearing its ugly head with the center snap exchange issues once again. And for Alabama to get it fixed and to go up 20 to 13, Jake, I, I know that as an Alabama fan, you had to feel very comfortable with that 20 to 13 lead thinking your defense is going to get that stop. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously you'd feel better about the defense getting a stop at the end of the game. But I'll say this, and, and look, the offensive line did not play well, but, I mean, this was, this was a year where, you know, Alabama gave up more sacks than ever. So I don't think it's super surprising. What was super surprising was I thought Tommy Reese and the Alabama coaching staff's game plan on offense, it was baffling to me. You, you went back to pre-LSU pro-style pocket passer Jalen Milrow not a lot of RPOs, not a lot of quarterback design run game. You, you reverted back. And I swear, Corey, I think it's the Bill O'Brien comments. I really believe it was because that's the only thing that changed between post our, our uh, uh, LSU game, Alabama, and on, and then pre-LSU game, Alabama, and on. I thought the game plan was horrible. And then they adjusted and started running what they'd been running in the third quarter. And it was working. But, look, at the end of the day, it, 
the reason I picked Michigan to win the national championship is because of their experience. That's why the whole year when everybody was saying, oh, Michigan's schedule is terrible, we really don't know about Michigan. And I came on here every Friday and said, yes, we do know about Michigan. We've watched these same guys for three years. That experience didn't panic when it mattered the most. And that is the best part of having experience. So I, I thought the most surprising thing, outside of Alabama not being able to snap the ball and catch it, uh, that, that just is the most shocking thing of all time. You can do all these other things, right? The fact that you can put on your clothes correctly but not get a snap in the biggest moments scares me for Alabama. But outside of that, I thought the game plan in the first half was baffling. And then Michigan made the plays at the end. Now, when you do look at Michigan's big-time win, moving on, they were waiting to see whether it's going to be Texas or Washington. A lot of people had Alabama and Texas. I know I did 0 for 2 on that pick right there. But Michael Penix Jr., he was dropping footballs down the chimney, delivering like Santa Claus did on Christmas Day because he was precision. His precision was second to none, and he's just been Mr. Consistent all year long. And I know today on X, you made a great point and a great push that, look, I would take him as the overall number one quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft. Yeah, I, I mean, look, if we're talking about somebody that, that game, their game translates the quickest to the NFL, I don't know how it's not Michael Penix. And guess what? His completion percentage is probably going to go up because they throw it 75% of the time at Washington. I don't know what this cat could do with, with a, a, a balanced offense, which you're going to see in the NFL. And, and I'll say this, Washington's run game has been really good here lately. It's, it's their changeup. But it's been a heck of an off-speed. I mean, Dylan Johnson, who's going to try and play in this game, has been a big part. But we, we knew it was going to be high scoring. Um, Texas had a chance at the end. They didn't catch in. But I'll say this about Michael Penix. I mean, number one, he played 60 years of college football. I mean, the man, you know, you talk about experience. You don't have to worry about some of the things I think you have to worry about with Caleb Williams uh, if you're going to draft him in the, in the NFL draft early. But when I look, you know, for, from an arm strength standpoint, we know all that. But his decision-making and his ability to move within the pocket, it, it, it translates so quickly to the NFL. I'm telling you right now, he's a left-handed Phillip Rivers. Just go watch it. You can Throwing motion, style of play, abil, uh, you know, intellect, ability to get the ball out when it needs to get out, the ability to be able to anticipate. Uh, he's a left-handed Phillip Rivers. So, listen, this game, this Michigan-Washington game, you know, if you're Michigan, I think you're going to be able to run the ball, which allows you to limit the possessions of Washington, which makes Michael Penix and that offense have to be even more perfect. I think that's, that's the formula. But I tell you what, man, when I watch this guy's game, if we're talking about translating to the NFL, not somebody that runs around in their underwear at pro day with nobody rushing them, with no pads on, that throws it 80 yards on a dime. I'm talking about stuff that's real world can get you in there week one as an NFL starter. I think Michael Penix is the guy, man. I mean, what about the injury history that wouldn't have you at least maybe second-guessing that? That, that? that would be obviously the biggest knock. But at the end of the day, I'm not asking Michael Penix to come out here and run a bunch of RPOs, you know, or, or be Cam Newton. Right. I'm expecting you to be an NFL quarterback, and I don't want to rely on your legs. And I'm to the point now where if Tua – can make it through a season healthy who's made of 
100% bubble gum, then I think Penix could. Yeah, I, I like the fact that when you do look, I'm, I'm still going to go Michigan in the national championship game to win it. I agree. But I agree with but, that. But I think that Penix is really going to put on a performance. And, you know, returning here, Reese's Senior Bowl is going to be stacked with high-caliber type quarterbacks he comes here to mm -hmm. mobile alabama and he definitely can earn that first round that first quarterback off the board paycheck oh without a doubt i mean we've seen this case before guys be able to, to finish on a really high note uh in a really big time game which the national championship obviously is and parlay that at the senior bowl and really be able to move up uh, I can't wait to get down there to Mobile, holler at you guys, and, and hang out uh, at the Senior Bowl and, and see this list because it's a it's a once in a 25 year list at quarterback, in my opinion. And yeah, uh, the more opportunities you have, the more chance you have to thrive, the more chance you have to raise your draft stock. And I think Michael Penix has done nothing but that. See, you talk about you know Michael Penix raising his stock, but you know you can talk to Jim Nagy or a lot of draft people. It's a it's a two quarterback race, and then it's just the battle for third. But you know, we're not. Caleb Williams was not in the conversation for college football playoff off year. Drake May was not in the conversation for any of these big games here at the end of the season. Yet everyone is already a. They're a lock. They're one and two. Why is that? Well, look, I I don't think anything is a lock right now. I mean, if if Michael Penix comes out and throws for 400 yards in the national championship game, you're going to hear some guys change their minds real quick. So. Uh, you're putting more tape out there. Until all the tape is out there, I don't care what anybody says. Once all the tape is out, right, and you get into that senior bowl timeline, that, that area, then we can really start talking about locks and things like that. But I, I, I think we're way too far out. to, to th This happens every year, like every single year. Like very rarely does the number one pick preseason – end up being the number one pick in the NFL draft. I know last year was a little bit different with Bryce, but I, I think this year, let, let's let it play out before we put the pieces uh, at, the, at the finish line. Well, also, what's been interesting today, is the hot take today is something that everybody knew that was coming that was an Auburn fan, Auburn firing offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery. Nick and I were discussing what weight does Hugh Freeze take? Now, personally, I would love to see Damian Craig join the staff at Auburn in some capacity. Don't know what that's going to be, but who do you ultimately think is going to be fit to carry the tote and tote that, I guess, I'm going to call it Peyton Thorne, the weight of Peyton Thorne on his back as Auburn's next offensive coordinator? Hey, listen, man. I mean, there's still some time left in the portal. Little Tua got in there today, so let's let's not put all the the eggs in the paint thorn basket just yet. Uh, but listen, you, you had to make a move. I mean, Phil Montgomery. Let's call it what it was. It was hot dog water all year. I mean, he, that he lets you do the game plan for the bowl game, and you saw how that worked out. I mean, you got to go. You can't be that old and be a former head coach and not be a great recruiter and then have bad game plans. I mean, that, it's like we used to say, you can't be short and slow. So he had to make a move. I mean, I think Hugh Freeze is going to call the plays. I think he's going to take that over. But you definitely want to bring in a guy that's a bang-up recruiter. You can give him that OC title, which can make you more attractive to other guys. I think whether it's Damian Craig or Dell McGee or maybe Derek Nix from Ole Miss, you need to get somebody in there that can recruit, and then you need to call the plays. Also, when you look at Quinchon Jukkins, do you really think he was that disruptive in Ole Miss's locker room and going into Lane's office saying, look, 
I, this is the play I want you to run for me. Do, do you think that that was truly the case? Because if it was, that was the best kept secret all season long in regards to Ole Miss's success and continuing to make Quinshawn Jumpkins a back-to-back first-team All-SEC-er. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, we, we talked to Quinshawn Jumpkins at SEC Media Days. I would be very surprised if that was the case, but you never know unless you're, like, in the inner circle. So, uh, I'll say this. I think he made a bad business decision. I mean, I'm not paying $1.3 million to a running back. Like, have you gone outside? I'm not paying 500000 to a running back. Uh, the only way you're getting that money is if you're either rushing the ball, throwing the ball, or the guy that protects the guy that's throwing the ball. That's the only way you're getting that type of money. But, look, in, in the NIL world of today, nothing shocks me. Um but but to see offensive linemen not help him off the ground against Penn State, it just feels like something was up. Also, when you look at the transfer portal moving forward, I, I know that it's continuing to change the dynamics of college football and will continue to change the dynamics of college football. Here now that we're getting ready to prepare for this second signing day is the national championship game is closing down upon us. What do you think will be the storylines? Because, again, conference realignment, when you and I and all us set together in Nashville, there's no way in hell I thought we would have the type of chaos we're having right now within conference realignment and discussing all these teams that are West Coast joining the Southeastern Conference or the Big Ten or Big 12 or whatever you want to do it. But I, I just – what is going to be that big-time storyline in between now and when we start talking about spring practice? Well, you know, I think what, what Florida State and the ACC is going to do, you know, I, I think that's going to be one. Obviously, whatever happens with Michigan, does Jim Harbaugh stay or does he go? Uh, you'll have some guys, I think, returning. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to come back. I think that'll be a big story. Um, and then, obviously, you have the transfer portal and all that stuff. But – uh, as as far as the main storyline, I think it would be what happens with the ACC because I think there's a lot going on right now. I agree with you there. And, Jake, again, tremendous job on a daily basis that we get our crane and company full of it. And, once again, whether it's the transfer portal, let me ask you this real quick. Will Howard from K-State to Ohio State, will he get Ryan Day over the top? I think it depends on if they're willing to, to kind of be malleable with what they've done offensively with his running ability. I think it gives you a totally different element. And if Ryan Day is willing to, to be able to kind of put more emphasis on that quarterback run, maybe a little more RPO game, uh, I think that's one way he's trying to evolve to, to be able to kind of catch Michigan with what's happened the last three years. Um, so, I, I mean, it's hard for me to say get you back on top after you just went 11 and one, you know, during the regular season. But, that one loss was the one loss you can't have, and, and you've lost it three straight years. So I think it was a good move. I actually think Ohio State maybe a place Quinshawn Junkins ends up. Wow. That, hey, look, heard it here first, folks. Crane let us know. Jay Crane let us know. Watch out for Junkins to wind up at Ohio State if that happens. Boy, I tell you what, you, you have more than your ear to the ground, my brother. You, you definitely – or making the earth move on that one. If people want more great insight and information, especially after Monday's national championship game, how can they follow all of your great coverage? Yeah, well, listen, if, I mean, if, if you're really about that life, just head on over to YouTube, type in Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N-N -N Company. We do a live weekday show 
uh, from 6.30 a.m. Central to 8 a.m. Central. We have live call-ins. Uh, we shoot it straight. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. You know, I, I coached for a long time. It's a Division One level. David Cohn played quarterback at Michigan. My brother played wide receiver at Western Colorado. So, you know, we've been in, been in the belly of the beast, and uh, we're not afraid to tell like it is. So head on over there and uh, see what's up. Appreciate you, Jake, as always, and look forward to talking to you next week where we do have a new college football national champion. Yep, Michigan to cover. Remember I said it. You got it, Jake Crane. Take the Michigan cover, Jake Crane says. They're in the national championship game on Monday. We'll be right back here to finish up our number one of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And really in our number one, the subject matter has been what the writing on the wall has been as an Auburn Tiger fan. Hugh Freeze firing offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery after one season, but no, no tears for him. Three million dollar buyout there, Nick. And like Jake Crane said, some very reputable names out there to see where and what direction Hugh Freeze wants to go in. And you've seen a lot of fire defensive coordinators yesterday. Oklahoma fired defensive coordinator Ted Roof. You look earlier in the week, Brian Kelly. He gets rid of his entire defensive staff so I think that when you start looking at it plenty of job opportunities out there especially if you're from a defensive standpoint you have a chance to make your name here with the transitioning of all the conference realignments for sure yeah um we'll see we'll see how it all goes man I, I couldn't name you know any like offensive coordinators defensive coordinators off the top of my head Personally, if I'm a coach trying to fill out a staff, I go for the smaller offensive coordinator who is able to do a lot as opposed to like the well-known coordinator who may have just gotten fired or kind of come off of like I want to get someone on the rise, right? Like you want to in the NFL, the coach everybody wants is that Lions offensive coordinator. You know, that's your first choice. Bill Belichick, I mean, he's done a lot, right? One of the best NFL coaches of all time, if not the best, but he is not number one on the list because Patriots aren't looking that good. Maybe you're kind of on the downslope. Other guys coming up. So you want to get a young guy on the rise. Well, we'll see exactly where these coaches are going to fill their vacancies. Again, Roydale Williams, Alabama running back, hitting the transfer portal as well. As well, you had Jam Miller along with Justice Hayes, a nice freshman coming in. So didn't want to stay in that crowded backfield. Our number two, Jim Dunaway, host of Next Round Live, joins us. He was out in Cali and in Pasadena. We'll get his thoughts on that game in the national championship game matchup on Monday as well. The final drive, our number two coming up. final drive here on WNSP 105.5 and I don't care how you like it don't like it NIL transfer portal all part of the changing and the evolution whether you're old school or new school 
And new school loves NIL, loves transfer portal. Old school, not so much. But Billy Donovan, former national championship coach for the men's basketball program at Florida and current Chicago Bulls head coach, chimed in and made some pretty interesting points about NIL. Some of these guys are walk away with a million dollars in the bank and that's their protection because of what they did. So it's hard. What are your thoughts on the NIL and what it looks like? I mean, yeah, I know I you're not in I, it. You guys, while you're in college, sh should be taken care of mm -hmm. with the amount of money that gets generated through athletics. So I think we're all in agreement yeah. on that. Mm -hmm. Probably should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. What happens if one of these guys does get drafted, whether it be in the NFL, the NBA, and they sign a four-year deal, and they're not happy in a situation, not getting ready to play? They can't leave. No doubt. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that you've got to be able to work your way through some adversity and difficulty yes. sometimes yes. to it, find yeah. out a little bit more about yourself. Yes. And the way it's set up is there's no resiliency of going through anything yeah, that's difficult and tough in life yeah. because it's like, you know what? I'm making $300,000 here, but I can pick up and go over here and make this yes. and I can go do that. And I don't know necessarily if that's the best thing. What do you think about that, Nick? Do you, do you agree with what Coach Donovan's saying? Because, again, he is not shying away from the fact that he felt that college, fo college football, basketball, baseball players should be paid. For sure. They make a lot. Colleges make a lot of money off athletics, and the players are playing it, right? They're the quote-unquote employees that are generating all this revenue. So that I definitely get. But everything he's saying about how, you know, the negative side of it, like I think at this point, I think the majority of people believe college athletes should be paid something. I think I remember that used to be the biggest issue. Now it feels like everyone's kind of gotten along with that, but it's just the way that the NIL has kind of ruined a lot of aspects of college sports. And I don't know how you fix it, but everything he said is true and is an issue that's ongoing. And he's absolutely right. When you sign that professional contract, especially that first professional contract, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're going to have to find a way. You Do you think Bryce Young is thrilled about being sacked more than he ever was at Alabama, being thrown around like a rag doll and only winning two games out of the 17 that he's played? Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not used to that. He doesn't want that. Right. He's happy for the opportunity to make that – number one overall money, but again, you're stuck in a situation to where when his renegotiating comes through, what will his value be? Because if Carolina doesn't get any better, they're only winning two or three games the next two or three years. I, Does I, Bryce Young's value go down? Does it change? Bryce Young's value, I think, at the moment is pretty low. Let me ask you this, Corey. Not that you're biased or anything, but I think that right now the NFL values Justin Fields more than they value Bryce Young as a Agreed. potential, maybe he'll hit his ceiling type of prospect, right? I, I would have to agree with that because he Justin Fields meets those benchmarks. And you've height, seen weight. Yeah, exactly. The the athleticism, you see the sparks of, oh wow, look what this guy just did against you know, we haven't seen that from Bryce Young in the NFL just yet. Um, I'm not I'm not writing him off as a bust, right? You can go through the whole list of all the quarterbacks who had rough first years in the NFL, but 
You know, you talk about Bryce Young being unhappy in Carolina. I, I think it's it's probably mutual. I don't necessarily think Carolina's too over the moon with Bryce Young's play. Not that it's all his fault, but you get what I'm saying. Well, I tell you, somebody we'll talk to that can give us a better feel on how the NFL is going to shake itself out after week number 18 will be our next guest, Ross Jackson. When we come back from this break, we'll be joined by Ross Jackson, locked on Saints, but he's not just locked on the Saints. He's locked on the entire NFL. And as I mentioned yesterday, 13 out of the 16 games being played in the NFL have playoff implications. And one of those 16, of course, are the Falcons and the Saints. That's right. We'll talk to Ross Jackson next here on the final drive. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on what we hope has been a fantastic and fabulous field Friday for you. And as we look at the NFL getting ready to conclude its regular season this week, a lot of playoff implications on the line. One of those games that have playoff implications on the line are the New Orleans Saints taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And I know we go to NOLA host of Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson, has joined us this season to talk about the Saints, their struggles, their ups, their downs. Ross, can't thank you enough for taking time to join us. Oh, no worries, man. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Ross, let's take a look at what this game means for the New Orleans Saints. You win, and are the Saints in? Will they go marching into the playoffs? We know what a loss will do, but a win what will it do for the saints playoffs opportunities yeah it puts them in position to get into the playoffs but they're but they're going to need a little bit of help so if, if they win and carolina beats tampa then the saints win the nfc south and they walk into the playoffs as the number four seed uh, that is the sort of best possible case for them but they also have a way to get in as a wild card team which would be winning against uh atlanta the Bucks winning, and then you would need Chicago to knock off Green Bay and Arizona to knock off Seattle in a couple of other division matchups across the league, and that would bring them in as the number seven wild card seed. Less um, advantageous position in that case, but still a secondary uh, possible way for them to get into the playoffs here. Well, I know a lot of New Orleans Saints fans have their fingers crossed, and including my partner, Nick Wiggins, who is a diehard Atlanta Falcons fan, he'll be attending the game there in the Superdome and trying to root on his dirty birds. But I'm rooting people, for it to be Arthur Smith's last game as the Falcons coach. Yeah. Is what I'm rooting for. <laughs> Ross, I think that's a strong possibility. 
Yeah, yeah, same here. I think that that's one of those uh, big motivating factors that, you know, the Atlanta Falcons will kind of be missing um, in this game is that, look, they have a coach that's probably on his way out. He's made a lot of, you know, bad decisions with player personnel and everything. And Arthur Smith has kind of been, you know, the talk of the town, like kind of since week four of the season uh, as a guy that could potentially be on his way out. So, you know, I think that when you look at what Atlanta's playing for, they have a lot to play for, right? They, they're trying to keep a bitter rival out of the playoffs and, and win and have that motivation, kind of like the Detroit Lions years ago up against the Green Bay Packers. But this coaching thing kind of throws a little bit of a wrinkle into it. Sometimes you hear about players and teams that kind of, you know, no pun intended, but rise up when there's, you know, a potential for a coach to be, you know, impacted or potential for a coach to, you know, be fired. They'll show up and they'll play for that guy and stuff like that. I don't know if Atlanta's really going to do that. And so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how it goes. But with playing spoiler against a bitter rival and a hated rival, that's a, a, more than enough motivation for the Atlanta Falcons to come in and, and try to do what they can to uh, spoil the uh, Saints playoff chances at the end of the season. And, and don't forget, they're still playing with some open playoff opportunity as well, the Atlanta Falcons are. Yeah, and that's going to be huge for the Dirty Birds. And one of the players that the Dirty Birds normally would face is Alvin Kamara. And I know that I don't think he was at practice today. And Coach Allen said, look, he he's going to be an up-to-game-time decision for the New Orleans Saints. What's What's going on with Alvin? Yeah, so he's he's nursing an ankle injury right now. We're still not clear if it's a high ankle, inj- uh, high ankle sprain or not, but he has not practiced uh, at all so far this week. He wasn't out there Wednesday, Thursday, or today. Uh, but you're right. The, the Saints are going to allow him to be a game-time decision. Dennis Allen saying today that he's too valuable a player to just rule out at this point. And if he can be out there, whether he's at 100%, whether he's at 20%, whether he's at 50%, or you know whatever the threshold is, 20% is probably a little dramatic. But you know if he's anywhere you know uh, to where he's playable and he tests out and he can go out there and do something, then expect to see him out on the field. But I think the Saints will continue to be cautious with him because, look, they're to, to the Saints, they're trying to make sure that their season doesn't end this week. So for them, they also have the playoffs to look ahead to. And so if the difference between having Alvin Kamara in the playoffs and not having Alvin Kamara in the playoffs, especially now that you get a week off between the end of the regular season and the first round of the playoffs, uh, is that he you know gets 13, 14 steps in this game or zero, you might err on the side of zero considering that you've got guys like Jamal Williams, Taysom Hill, James Robinson on the practice squad, guys like Lynn Bowden as well who can help you um, in, in a bunch of different spots in terms of helping to kind of supplement that that run game if Alvin Kamara can't go. But he, he's a valuable piece. He's very important to this New Orleans Saints offense, so they're going to give it time and, and see what happens come, uh, come Sunday uh, before the game. One of the things that we've talked about even before the season even started, speaking on coaches, was Dennis Allen. Was he on the hot seat? Is he on the hot seat? Seven and ten a year ago. You lose to the Falcons, you'll look at a record of eight and nine. What What's the temperature there in New Orleans? Is the humidity hot or is he going to be just fine no matter what happens this weekend? Yeah, I think, you know, barring something surprising and, and, and you know, flat-out embarrassing, I don't think that there's going to be any kind of um, 
conversation around his future at this point. I think Dennis Allen is solidly set in as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints going into 2024, as is Derek Carr, the quarterback. Um, and, and it makes sense, right? Like you have an offense and a, and a team that you can't really change very much over the course of the offseason. You can add talent, but you're not going to be shipping things out. You're not going to be like restructuring things and stuff like that. So, you know, you might as well stick with what you've got and try to win with what you know, as opposed to reintroduce a lot of different things. But I do think that where the New Orleans Saints will be taking a look at, uh, and, and look, it's not going to happen immediately. It's not going to happen, you know, as as the rest of the NFL is firing its head coaches and stuff like that. But I think the Saints will be actively looking to see what they can do at offensive coordinator and with their offensive system and how they can upgrade it going into uh, in, into 2024. I do think that that will be where they will look. So don't expect the Saints to sit on their hands. And even though Willie will take their time, don't expect them to sit on their hands and then just roll into next year trying to re-up exactly what they've got going on here. Uh, but you know that that those changes will start below Dennis. Allen. They won't start at Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen will be the head coach in 2024. Jimmy Graham, he will be joining us here. I say joining us. He's part of the 75th anniversary team in Mobile, Alabama mm -hmm. for the Reese's Senior Bowl. My man, Jimmy Graham, six receptions, four touchdowns. He's had kind of a resurrection here toward the latter part of the season. What's the, the latest on Jimmy Graham? Yeah, I mean, I would expect to see more of him in this game and expect to see more of him in the red zone if they get those opportunities. Um, you know, Saints didn't overly utilize him last week, uh, but they've been really selective about when he has a role and when he doesn't. And the passing game in the red zone is one of those places. The thing that has made a little bit of an impact for him over the course of the past couple of games is how much Juwan Johnson has come along uh, now that he's healthy, now that Derek Carr is healthy, and now that that chemistry is working. And so... Juwan has been a little bit of a target in the red zone as well. And then the Saints scored their other touchdown from 22 yards out. They didn't get into the red zone or into that within five. Some some teams call it the green zone uh, within the 10, within the five and all that. And so, you know, when they get to those opportunities, I would expect to see more Jimmy Graham. And I'm sure he'd love nothing more than to score another touchdown at home in front of the, uh, you know, in front of Saints fans up against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. I'm just curious to know if the Saints have a healthy enough lead, if he's going to dunk it, take the fine, and uh, take the penalty on the kickoff because uh, I don't know. I wouldn't blame them if they've got a if they got a big enough lead. I say go dunk it. Yeah, I love it. The other interesting storylines for that you'll be looking at this week in the NFL. I were I was speaking and sharing with our listeners. Thirteen out of the sixteen games being played this week have playoff implications. I can't ever remember mm -hmm. a week eighteen or a final week of NFL football to where. 75 over over 75 percent of the games have playoff implications on the last couple of days what, what are the storylines for you outside of the saints and the falcons trying to go marching in yeah, I think one of the most exciting news stories so far throughout the season or storylines so far throughout the season has been the Houston Texans. And the Houston Texans are playing for a playoff spot with a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud who's looked outstanding, a first-year head coach in D'Amico Ryans who's been awesome. Um, you know, and they've got to win their way in through you know, all of these games this weekend or divisional matchups over the course of the past, past last over the course of the last two weeks and stuff. And that's been a good move by the NFL calendar. It's one of the reasons why you see so many playoff implication or playoff-heavy games. Um, you know, at this point in the season this year is because of them backloading those um those uh, divisional games and everything. And so that, that's going to be a big one to watch over in the AFC South. It's going to be between, you know, Indy and um, and Houston effectively having a little bit of a win-in-your-in type situation. Um, you know, you've got the uh, Sunday night game where you've got the AFC show-off between the uh, 
the Bills and the Dolphins. The Dolphins have already clinched their spot, but the Bills are still fighting for a playoff spot themselves. I mean, there's a ton of opportunities here, you know, as you're watching around the NFL uh, for games that really, really mean something. And that means really good football to close out week 18. You know, I think there's a couple of spots where you're going to see some players resting and things like that. The 49ers, the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, and everything. But for the most part, you're going to see good football games in week 18, which hasn't always been the case. Oftentimes you see a lot of teams that already have their sort of um, fate sealed when it comes to the playoffs. And so now this 18th game, these division games at the end, and the additional playoff spot, you're starting to see the benefit of all of those things that the NFL was hoping for. Ross, let me ask you, you talk about C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Who do you have as your coach of the year? Corey and I, we're a little different. He does like... Uh, the Texans and Ryans as the coach of the year. I'm leaning Stefanski and what he's done with Cleveland, you know, and all the injuries he's had to overcome. But what are you thinking, Ross, personally? Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer between those two in particular. Those are kind of my top two. It just kind of depends on what's your flavor, right? You want to go for the guy that's got the 11 wins out of playing, what is it, four different quarterbacks, including Joe Flacco in this economy in 2023 slash 2024. Like, he's coached so well that Joe Flacco's getting a week off at the end of the season, <laughs> which, you know, here in 2023, 2024, in, in that season, that's just that's just uh, ridiculous to consider. And so it's awesome. Um, and so I think Stefanski's the guy that deserves it. But, I mean, you know, for D'Amico Ryan to show up in Houston and have the immediate impact that he has had uh, in doing it with, you know, a, a rookie quarterback and a very young roster and everything, I, I think him – he is a guy that you know went in and got the next whiz kid of the of the NFL and and, and Bobby Slowick as his offensive coordinator and all that. I think he's done some really exciting things. So um, I, I think for me, the thing that's more impressive is having to do it with your third, fourth, you know, twelfth different quarterbacks and everything. So I lean a little bit towards Fancy. I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of a D'Amico Ryan's walking away with that one either can't argue with you there i think the the sad part is at 11 and 5 people are overlooking dan campbell and what he's been able to do for the detroit lions he's not even to me hasn't even really been mentioned because of the late struggles that the lions have had yeah i think that a little bit of the late struggles and then also like we kind of saw the success happening last year and so a lot of what coach of the year comes down to is biggest turnaround effectively and so the fact that Detroit was so successful last year but you know was still kind of trending up and then they came into the season with the expectations that they would be the favorites in the NFC North that ends up kind of shading a little bit of the judgment around what a Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions have actually achieved. Did they do anything out of out of expectation, or did they do exactly what was expected? And unfortunately for them, everyone kind of expected them to win the NFC North. That's not the case for the you know uh, Cleveland Browns being where they are near the top of the AFC North, and certainly was not the case in terms of the expectations around rookie head coach or or you know first year head coach with the Texans and then rookie quarterback in Houston and the AFC South. Ross, can't thank you enough for your terrific knowledge of not only being locked on the Saints, but being locked into the NFL and what's going on as we prepare for the last regular season game here this NFL year before we get started off with the wild card and divisional playoffs as well. If people want to follow all of your great coverage, if the Saints go marching into the playoffs or not, how can they continue to get your up-to-date, up-to-hour, up-to-minute coverage? 
Yeah, you can find everything that you're looking for uh, on the Locked on Saints podcast. Just uh, search Locked on Saints either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can search Locked on NFL as well. Myself, Luke Braun, and I, uh, we work on that show on uh, Tuesdays. Keep you up to date with everything going on on the NFL. You can also find all the written work over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site, covering the New Orleans Saints, and all in one place on whatever social media you favor, at Ross Jackson, NOLA, and NOLA. Ross, thank you so much, and we look forward to catching up with you next week to see if indeed the Saints are in or Nick Wiggins' dirty birds in the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> have found a way to sneak and fly into the playoffs as well. Or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is more likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, either one. Either one. Appreciate you guys. Uh, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Yep. Ross Jackson, none finer than Ross Jackson in regards to covering the New Orleans Saints. We love having them on. We'll be right back to conclude our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And a little retirement information coming out as far as from being hung from the rafters. Not too many NBA players in the history can say that three teams have retired their number. I know, Nick, Shaquille O'Neal, the Orlando Magic, retiring number 32, the first in franchise history. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I The only other guy that I know Orlando will retire and will be right up there is Dwight Howard. Who no, Penny Hardaway. Dwight Howard had a better career in Orlando than Penny. <sighs> Dwight look took that Orlando Magic team, J.J. Redick, Richard Lewis, uh, Jameer Nelson. Penny Hardaway. He, he took that whole team to the finals, man. Penny Hardaway is going up. So did Penny Hardaway. He did it with Shaq. And who did Dwight do it with? Dwight Howard. J.J. Redick. Ain't a comparison, man. Dwight Howard had a better career. Dwight Howard had a better NBA career than Penny Hardaway overall. A little longer. A little but longer. He, he also did more in his tenure in, at Orlando. I, I, I disagree there. Uh, I disagree. I, I know, to me, I like Dwight Howard was a, a, a 2.0 ripoff on Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, he see, claimed to be Superman, and there was only one Superman, and that's Shaquille O'Neal, the first to have his jersey retired with the Orlando Magic. Well, do, well, they'll have two Superman capes hanging up in the rafters uh, because Dwight Howard, he, he's going to be up there. I think right now because of a lot of like off-the-court type stories with Dwight, <laughs> he's kind of become a little bit of a joke. But, man, when he was like in his prime, like what, 2008, 2012 type range, he was another level, man, another level. But what do you think took the Orlando Magic so long to retire Shaq's jersey? I really don't know. I mean, maybe it's because he left in the way he left or Man. because he really didn't play there that long. What, did he play there four or five years? Yeah. I mean, drafted in 91 or 92 there. You're leaving 92. in 96, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I still took him to the NBA Finals. Yeah. So, I still I love the love there for Shaq. Congratulations yeah, to, to Shaq. For sure. Well-deserved there. Hour number three coming up, J.T. Crabtree to discuss the South Alabama Jaguars men hoops up next here on The Final Drive. 
The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Yes! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Welcome back to our number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you. And before we went to break, we were having the debate about Shaquille O'Neal. He's having his jersey retired by the Orlando Magic finally. Shaquille O'Neal being 51 years of age and really should have had his jersey retired a long time ago by Orlando. But for whatever reason... They had not done that, and Nick and I were debating, do you put Dwight Howard and retiring his jersey ahead of Penny Hardaway? Does Penny Hardaway have his jersey retired before Dwight Howard does? And then Nick and I got into discussion about finding better centers in the NBA. Nick says top 20 yeah. all-time center. Easily. Dwight, Dwight Howard a is top a top 20. Easily. And I said, no, they're, he's outside of the top 20. And off the top of my head, I've been able to come up with maybe 12 or 13. So I'm searching for that other. So if you can help me in the app find better centers than Dwight Howard, one Name through the 19. main ones already. Yes, we, we, we've, we've named quite a few, like, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, Bill Russell, of course, David Robinson. Yeah. Tim Duncan's a power forward. We're not including power forwards, just centers. fives. Pure, pure centers. Fives. Yeah. Pure centers that are better than Dwight Howard. We want we definitely want to See guy in the app just put in that. Yao. I say no to Yao Ming. Dwight Howard had is better than no, Yao Ming. No, it's not Yao Ming. It's definitely not Yao Ming. And I I, I can't I can't go with that one. He, he's not on on the list that I make. But who is on the list is J the voice of the South Alabama Jaguars, JT Crabtree. He's going to make every list in regards to being one of the hugest Jaguar fans that you'll ever hear or find. And once again, last night, South Alabama taking on really the cream of the crop here in the last couple of years in the Sunbelt Conference, Appalachian State. South Alabama men fall to them in overtime, 91 to 84. But I tell you, the way that South Alabama went into overtime with App State off of a slam dunk and then the near miss for App State to go ahead win, that was a lot of fun as well. And calling that game last night and getting the chance to jump right back with South Alabama tomorrow as well as the Jaguars will host Georgia State is JT Crabtree. Welcome, my friend. What's going on, my man? Good, good to be talking with you. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to be talking to you. And, of course, with South Alabama coming up a little short and not being able to get off to that 2-0 and start, which is what they wanted for the first time in like five years in conference play, Georgia State comes in at 6-7, and seven, taking on the Jaguars. The Mar South had gone on a little winning streak, 8-6. and six. The Jaguars had got a little hot and wanted to stay that way, but another important conference matchup tonight, 3 o'clock p.m. tomorrow night, rather, 3 o'clock p.m. at the Mitchell Center. Yeah, it's a huge game, man. You know, played well against that state that had 
it, like you said, App State's been one of the better teams in the league last couple of years. Went to the tournament in 21, and they're a tough team, man. They're they're bigger than us. They were more physical, and we didn't back down. We we got out to a hot start offensively. Uh, App State came back, and it was a back and forth game for the majority of it. And then for the guys to to fight back the way they did down the stretch and tie the game with two seconds left to force overtime it was a it was a good effort. You know, it, it's an App State team that. Uh, had the best or the third best rather field goal percentage defense in the country come in the ball game they only averaged allowing opponents to shoot 30 percent the jack shot 45 percent and you're the only average giving up 65 points a game we scored 84 and so there was a lot of really good things to take away from yesterday i know it was a, a loss and i hate to sugarcoat a loss but the Jags look good, man, and this is a roster that's been shorthanded, too. You know, no Maxwell Land. He's done for the year with a knee injury, and Judah Brown's been out since mid-November with an ankle, and he's getting closer to coming back. So without two key guys in your offensive rotation, you're still hanging with the, the best in the league. I've been really impressed with the South Alabama team so far. It's typically, you know, a, a slow start with the transfer guys trying to gel, and they usually play their best basketball in March, but it seems like this team's a little bit ahead of schedule right now, and they're uh, – they're looking pretty good so far. Yeah, that's what you wanted to see. And the biggest thing was, you know, you, you had and you started with that disappointing loss to University of Mobile. And sometimes those losses can kind of catapult you into the right way and in, in finding that team chemistry a little bit faster than you would imagine. And that's the challenge that Richie Riley has found himself in is finding that team chemistry, mashing the right buttons. And from a health standpoint just finding enough healthy bodies to where you can put 10 guys out there on the practice squad because every time you look you're saying all right you only see eight or nine guys and you see four or five guys in street clothes and you're saying man this south alabama team is in excellent condition because they're finding a way to get it done with only going seven or eight deep yeah, they're doing what they can, man. You know, I, I keep telling folks this might not be the most talented roster that we've had in the last couple of years, but it's definitely the most scrappy. You know, they play well as a team. Uh, they've t they've turned up the tempo in the last couple of ball games, and that seems to have helped the offense. When we have to slow it down playing a half-court set, that's not really our game. But you mentioned that Mobile game. Like, yes, we lose the first game of the season to an NAIA school, in-city school, and that stinks. You, know, you shouldn't lose that game, but it is what it is. And so it's a learning opportunity for you. And then you look this past weekend, we start conference play on the road at Old Dominion, and we're down 22 with 14 minutes left, and we've rallied back in the second half and won that game. That's a, that's a huge, huge win. I know the best in the league, but just in a conference game, you trailed by 22, and you didn't give up, and you found a way to win. It's mighty impressive. I think you can kind of equate that to the App State game yesterday in overtime as well. Yes, you, know, you didn't play your best basketball, but you still played pretty darn well against a very good team. A team App State beat Auburn a couple of weeks ago up in Boone, North Carolina as well. And so I think there, there are early games in the Sunbelt Conference where you're still learning a bit about what this team is, what you've got. Like I said, we're still going to be a work in progress. And I think we're shaping up where you're starting to see the rotations factor in a little bit more. You're finding finding who it is that's going to be that that seven, eight, nine man rotation. You know, some days it's Julian Margrave that's playing well, or some days like last night it was Elijah Ormiston with with a ten and five off the bench. Or Saturday, Marshall Kearing played seventeen straight minutes in the second half and got six, six, three blocks and three steals, and he was the MVP of that ball game. So I think what's nice is you're seeing a different mix of different guys. 
doing different things. You still got Isaiah Gator dropping uh, 16 points per game. Turbo's still around 12 points per game as well. And those guys will be your mainstays. But seeing someone else of those three step up and, con- and consistently contribute, I think is going to be key down the stretch. Sizemore was a team favorite a year ago or fan favorite as well. And Marshall Keering definitely is one of those fan favorites whenever he comes off of the bench to get it done. And when you do look at freshman Ethan Kaiser having an opportunity to come in and you're not going to miss him with those long flowing golden hair and you know you have fans when i'm keeping the official scores book in south alabama they say man california man they they call him the golden boy as far as from his long locks and i I think that that's definitely a great trademark for him to establish but he's come in and he's been uh instrumental in finding a spark for himself with the south alabama men's basketball team I love Ethan Kaiser, man. He's just a hard-nosed, gritty player. He's from Metamora, Illinois, and he's just—he's just a blue-collar basketball guy. You know, you mentioned those long, those long locks that he's got. But he's uh, the guys actually call him Hair Jordan because uh, <laughs> not only with the hair, but he can dunk as good as anybody, man. The guy can get up there. I know he hasn't had many opportunities to do it this season because he's been nursing a little bit of a back injury, but he's deadly from three-point range. He had a couple of opportunities yesterday, but came up short. But, you know, it's really exciting to see a true freshman like him and Marcus Millinder, who they call Smurf, two freshmen that are playing consistently, and they don't look out of place playing Division One basketball as true freshmen. So it's really exciting. You, know, you Typically, Richie Riley teams are transfer heavy, and we'll see a sophomore or a junior, even a grad kid, jump right in and play. We haven't seen many true freshmen play in Richie's six years here. And so to see – Kaiser come in and he's been consistently starting Smurf was starting for a while and they figured he's more of a sixth man role uh, this year he's kind of a change of pace guard but he's such a good facilitator of our offense and just runs everything so efficiently he's one of the best assist to turnover ratio guys in the conference it's really exciting to see Ethan Kaiser and Marcus Millinder really contribute early and again like I said they don't look out of place right now if they can continue to grow and I know Marcus has really looked better with his shooting Kaiser's shooting is going to come around but his defense man Kaiser's defense has been tremendous the last couple of weeks he had a huge huge game defensively uh, this past weekend against Old Dominion on the road he was a big part of our comeback not necessarily again with the points which he's known for his defense has been really solid so I'm really excited to see how those guys will grow you mentioned Adam Sizemore you know he's still on staff as a GA and he's still a fan favorite and everyone loves size but Kaiser's got an opportunity if he can string it together he might be an even more popular guy than Adam Sizemore when, when everything's said and done absolutely love that and love the fact that you do have Georgia State coming in but it doesn't get any easier for the Jaguars program as looking ahead of the schedule this coming Thursday, South Alabama travels to number 19th ranked James Madison. I don't know what it is about James Madison, what they have in the water right now going on as far as the success that their football team, their men and women's basketball programs are having, but James Madison red hot right now, 14 and 0 in men's basketball and had a great football season as well. Yeah, when we go up there to Har- to Harrisonburg, I don't know if I need to bottle up some of the water up there and bring it back <laughs> or what, because they're making it work, man. They're, they're, they had that great run in the Women's College World Series in softball a couple years ago as well, and so 
They've been getting it done. They're a heck of an addition to the Sunbelt Conference, and I'm glad they're part of this. But I hate facing those guys because they're good. Their fans know they're good, too, man. Their fans are very loud, very vocal about supporting the Dukes. But I'm excited to go up there. Like you mentioned, it's a tough road trip next week with with JMU on Thursday, and then we got a bus through the mountains to go to West Virginia and play Marshall the following Saturday. There's no easy way to get up there, regardless if you're going to Marshall or JMU first. So we're going to we're gonna fly to Harrisonburg first, play that game, then bus over. It's going to be a tough stretch, man, before we come home and host Troy and Louisiana, two rivals. It's a key stretch. You know, we saw JMU, they, uh, they were kind of taken to the wire a little bit by the Cajuns uh, yesterday down in Louisiana, but they still found a way to win. There's a reason they're ranked 19th in the country, man. They, I mean, T.J. Bickerstaff was named the National Player of the Week yesterday. Uh, Terrence Ford Jr. has been really, really strong for him as one of their guards as well. They're the real deal. They're, they're the top team in the conference so far this year, and hopefully we can uh, we can put an end to that winning streak when we uh, when we get up there on Thursday. Yeah, that that definitely I I know is at hand. But what you have to deal with first is tomorrow Georgia State three o'clock tip at the Mitchell Center. So all the South Alabama Jaguar fans that are available would love to have you at the Mitchell Center supporting Richie Riley and the Jaguars trying to go ahead and get on top and stay ahead of the conference race here early as Sunbelt Conference play is upon us. And JT, can't thank you enough for joining us this afternoon here on the final drive and all the passion that you have covering all of South Alabama Jaguar athletics. And if people want to follow you and check out that boot view cam and your passion that comes through your voice for the broadcast, how can they do so? I appreciate it, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, JTCrabtreeUSA. You can find our, our broadcast links on USAJaguars.com as well. Uh, we'll we'll have free games starting at 2.30 tomorrow, and then hopefully if, uh, if you're in town, you can make it over to the Mitchell Center. Uh, go online to USAJaguars.com slash tickets to, to join us. It's Military Appreciation Day as well for active and uh, retired military with active ID. Uh, you can get in for free for the game tomorrow, so should be fun, man. Georgia State's always tough, and uh, we owe those guys some some L's. So hopefully, hopefully we're giving them one tomorrow. Absolutely. Thank you so much, JT, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, man. Jay's up and go Jags. You got it, JT Crabtree joining us, and Nick. We'll continue this debate. Oh, I, I I got a list. I got Alonzo Morning. Can't believe I left him off. He ain't better than Dwight. Alonzo Morning not better than Dwight Howard. No. George Mikan. Let's go back to no, a, a one on, of the originators. Man. No. no? Uh, ain't no George Mikan, man. That dude's field goal percentage. For a guy to have a drill named after him, dude could not shoot under the basket. Look, it, Shaq, yes. Wilt, Kareem, Bill Russell, Hakeem, Moses, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Bill Walton, Jokic, Embiid. Was that 11? You're going to leave off Gasol? Dwight's better than Gasol. Mm, interesting. And I think Powell's a power forward. Mark is a center. But out of the rest of these names, man, uh, Yao Ming, Alonzo Mourning, Ben Wallace, Ralph Sampson, Jack Matumbo is better. No, he ain't. Come Matumbo on. was better. No, he was not, Corey. <laughs> Matumbo <laughs> was better than Dwight Howard. No. 
Yes. Dwight Howard was just as good defensively, and Dwight Howard could get you 25 points a night. I'm finger pointing at you using <laughs> our radio vision. No, no, no. Oh man. Well, look. Even if, even if you did say Matumbo, even if you did say Alonzo Mourning, even if you did say both Gasol brothers, Dwight Howard's still in the top 20. All right. Dwight Howard's better than Bill Lambeer. I will say that. <laughs> All right. But he's better than a lot of guys. I would say he was better than Robert Parrish. Definitely. I'll even give him credit there, and that's hard to say because I love old school. Right. But I, I do think that Dwight brought more to the game than Robert Parrish. I mean, you got like your Bob McAdoo's, Wes Unsell, Nate Thurman, Willis Reed. These aren't guys that I, you know, really watched. But I just can't imagine they're better than Dwight Howard in his prime. Patrick Ewing. Orlando. Better than Dwight I think Dwight they're Howard. close. I, I put them kind of no right there in the same. No freaking way, Nick Wiggins. What did Patrick Ewing ever do in his career? He never won. Never won a big game. He couldn't win a big game. But he's one of the. Knicks were better Charles when he Barkley, play. too, never won a big one. But, I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time. Patrick Ewing, one of the, he's better than Dwight Howard. They're Patrick right. Ewing. They're right there next <laughs> no to each other. They're no even. They have an e they have an even <laughs> legacy. We only talk about Patrick Ewing different because it's New York City. If Patrick Ewing got drafted to Orlando and uh, Dwight Howard was in New York, man, we there'd be a big Dwight Howard statue outside of Madison Square Garden right now. But there's not. Well, that, that's true. That's Dwight's true. my guy, man. Look, I got I got some unpopular NBA opinions if you want to hear them. I think Nikola Jokic, top two center in NBA history. The Duncan Dutchman, Rick Smits. No. Maybe not as good as Dwight Howard, yeah, no, that but he's definitely a top 20 of all time, center of all time. Yeah, he might be 20, but Dwight's over him. So I guess you can agree Dwight Howard is a top 20 center in NBA history. I think we're coming to that conclusion here. He's right there around 14, 15, 16. My guy, voice of the pack, said Corey bumped his head. Robert Parrish, much better no. than Dwight Howard. I'm old school. I love Robert Parrish. Robert, I love the Chief. Robert Parrish had the luxury of always being, what, the fourth best player on his team? Yeah, Third or fourth did. best player? Yeah, he did. Dwight he, Howard he did. did. He, Dwight Howard had that luxury that one year where they were supposed to have that super team in L.A. with him, Kobe, Gasol, and Steve Nash, but that did not work out. Well, I, I'm still – I'm, I'm on the fence. I, I will give Dwight Howard – Top 20 NBA center, but he's going to be number 20. No matter. Right. There's 19 better guys. <laughs> right, 19 better centers. He's probably more like 12, but I hear you, Corey. I'll let you have it. I'll <laughs> let you have it. But again, Shaquille O'Neal having his jersey retired by the Orlando Magic. It's about time. And deservedly so, exactly. And I do think that Penny Hardaway will be the second Orlando Magic player to have his jersey retired. And Dwight will definitely be the third without In question. In the future there. when, you know. I think it was a little bit of a wait with Shaq because he really didn't play there that long. I think when we think in history, oh, Shaq and Orlando Magic, that makes sense. But they really weren't, um, you know, with each other for that long. But uh, I'm just reading the comments. <laughs> they are pretty good. Laugh, but look, I get that you they're coming at me because of what I said about Patrick Ewing. Look, Patrick Ewing. I get he's an all-time great. He yeah, is. 90s, he's better than Dwight Howard. 90s, New York Knicks. I get the mythos, but he's better than Dwight no, Howard. No, he's not. <laughs> he's better no, than he's Dwight. No, he's not. Patrick Ewing is always and forever going to be better than Dwight Howard. 
I'm going to disagree, personally. I mean, Dwight Howard, man, like 06 to 2010, that's tough, man. That's tough. He was the guy that prevented the LeBron versus Kobe finals. All Dwight. That's it. Dwight, number 20. He's number 20. We'll go, there's 19 better all-time NBA centers. Look, I'll let you be entitled to your own opinion, man. Hey, look who's in the app. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Root. Nick is right. Stephen Root, what, which one is Nick right about? Come on. Which one is he right Everything, about? Everything, man. Everything. Not, Nikola not Jokic, Ewing. top two. Dwight Howard, the same as Ewing. Jokic has, has revolutionized the modern-day center. And if you were to put him... Him, back Kareem, in the Shaq, eighties and nineties. I think they those three you can really interchange them. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. James Harden, top five shooting guard in NBA history. We'll go to shooting guards another day. <laughs> I knew that one would get you. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive. Getting a little NBA talk. As much as you guys... Uh, out there love to say you don't like the NBA. One thing you do like talking about is what NBA players are good and which ones are bad. We love comparing eras. We love comparing players. It's just fun. I don't know what to tell you. You don't even have to watch the games. But if you did watch any NBA games, man, last night, NBA on TNT, they brought you two good ones. Milwaukee Bucks taking on the San Antonio Spurs, first time Giannis and Victor Wimbanyama have ever matched up against one another, and they gave us everything we wanted. Giannis, 44, 14 and 7. Victor Wimbanyama, 27 and 9, only in 25 minutes of playtime. He looked good out there. It went all the way down to the wire. Wimbanyama, big three, but then Giannis coming right down with the dunk. And then Jokic. If you haven't been on the internet today, maybe you didn't see it, but man, what a buzzer beater. That guy Jokic, man, he always pulls something out. But In the app, the guy says he enjoys the NBA. Oh, he's a Pelicans guy. I'm sorry to hear that. They're actually not that bad, but I'm just not. Uh, they're, 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 I, I don't think a team with Zion as your star guy is going to do anything. In this market, it's cool seeing LeBron in person. I'm jealous, man. I need to get out to that LeBron Museum in Akron. Go pay respects to my king. All right, but look, when we come back, he's in the app, backing me up, calling out my guy Corey for pulling the George Mikan, but Steven Root. We're going to talk to him here coming up about these Week 18 NFL games. Little NBA stuff. We'll just talk about whatever. But you're listening to The Final Drive. It's Friday. The weekend 
It's almost here. Just hang on a little longer, people. But we'll be right back. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive. And look, I, I know I was worried because I know last time we had Steven Root on, I said I wasn't going to get him on until the Pistons won a game. Well, I, I, you know, I didn't know if I was going to go a year or two years without talking to him, but thankfully the Toronto Raptors made a trade and they couldn't put together a whole roster. So I think the Pistons won by like one or two. So we welcome back Mr. Steven Root. Root, how's it going, buddy? They're going to win tonight too, brother. There's a lot of turmoil within the uh, dynasty of the Golden State Warriors. Oh. Moses Moody, Kaminga. It's all falling apart. The Pistons win tonight. Oh, well, you know, we'll see. Uh, it could happen. I know Jonathan Kaminga, man. They they didn't even – it wasn't even like a leak or anything. I feel like he just was being so um, upfront about his disdain for Steve Kerr and his coaching choices. You don't normally see anything like that with a young player. I think maybe last year when all those issues were going on with Cam Thomas on the Nets, but – Kaminga just flat out saying, you know, yo, 18 points, 18 minutes, and they bench me. I don't know what they're doing out here. Well, maybe they're going to scout each other tonight, both teams, and Golden State will trade Moody and Kaminga to Detroit for Wiseman and Bogdanovich, and that'd be fine with me. Yeah, come on, Wiseman, come on back. And you know what? And the Pistons just need two more uh, young players who haven't hit their potential to waste away. Just go ahead and get them all out there, huh? I mean, one of them ought to blossom, right? <laughs> Come on. I know y'all really rolling the dice. Y'all got what? Ten, 10 young guys that you're just hoping one of them can show something? Well, they're probably going to trade all of them away for Siakam in a contract year and blow it completely. So that's that's more like something they'd do. Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? I think Siak Siakam's going to go to Indiana. Siakam is going to be on the move here soon. Uh, it's seeming like Toronto is finally dealing all their assets that they've been dangling for the past two years. But I think it worked because I think that the return they got on that OG and Anobi trade was about as, you know, the best you could really get. Emmanuel quickly, you know, young guard with the potential, get him some more minutes, and then R.J. Barrett, he goes home to Canada. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what if this is, you know, true or not, but there's just something about R.J. Barrett that I feel like he's the kind of player or guy that needs a confidence boost. Just one of those guys, maybe a little quiet. Um, I don't know. Maybe being home in Canada does that for him, and he breaks out as more of a star than he's already been. I mean, the potential is there. We, we've known that, but he just kind of goes away sometimes. But yeah, I, I like that trade a lot for Toronto. What do, you, what do you think about it for New York? I'm not the biggest fan of it for New York. I know everyone holds OG Ananobi in a high regard. And if you're a casual NBA fan and you don't even know who the hell OG Ananobi is, he's just like this forward who can hit open shots. He's going to score probably 12 points a game, but he's going to defend the best player. Um, so obviously he's a wanted asset. But, I mean, that's got to be like your worst quote-unquote big three in the NBA, Jalen Brunson, OG Ananobi, and... Um, 
Julius Randle? I mean, that team's not winning anything. No, they won't. I mean, you got to give it to them for them being New York and kind of having to make moves and be relevant. I, I appreciate them doing something, I guess, but it's extremely clunky. I mean, Julius Randle, yeah, I know how big of a fan you are of his, but still, just, just, it all seems very clunky to me. They're a playoff team, but nothing more. Yeah, Julius Randle, my most hated professional <laughs> athlete, I think. I don't even know why. Um, all right, well, let's talk a little NFL route. I owe, do, I, what, do I owe you 50 bucks or like 100 bucks or something? It's a hundred. Don't don't forget. You know exactly how much it is. But that was a bet that I was extremely confident in. Um, yeah, tell the the people where you were, where your mind was at, thinking the Falcons would win more game than, games games well, in Detroit. I mean, like I to, understand. Yeah, well, we maybe like to make a bet. Your every... hopes were higher for a reason. I get that. It's been a letdown, but Detroit was always the better team. Well, we like to make a bet every year. You know, which of our teams is going to have the better record and. You know, we, we both talked early in the season that how we were both, like, in the same boat. We have these elite pieces. Things are looking up. The future is looking bright. Is this the year they're both going to put it together? I mean, a lot of, you know, NFL analyst-type people were thinking the same type thing about Atlanta early in the year. But Desmond Ritter, Arthur Smith, these guys let me down. The defense looked good. Players were relatively healthy. You just got to get them the ball. But... Uh, yeah, he got me on this one, man, but shoot, I don't even know if I'm going to make the bet with you next year, man, truthfully. <laughs> Your lines <laughs> might have, didn't. like, grown out of being in this bet with me now that it seems like they're probably going to be a regular 10-win type team. I don't know if I'm there just yet, man. Hard to believe. I mean, yeah, the Lions might be a half step or full step ahead of the Falcons in the rebuild process. They just didn't hit on the quarterback. And that's what I said when making the bet. You know, you don't have one. I don't believe it that you have one, and you don't. And that just makes all the difference in the world. So, yeah, I, th I don't think Detroit's going anywhere. Next year when we got Russell Wilson playing quarterback, Ooh. then maybe we'll, we'll be, be better than y'all. I cannot believe you're, you want that, man. I, this is not the first time you and I have spoken about this, and Look. I cannot believe you'd actually want that. If you can get Russell Wilson on a deal that doesn't cripple your franchise, a one-year rental deal, you know, a Baker Mayfield type of deal, I'm sure he'd probably be a little more just because of his accomplishments in his career. But I I wouldn't be against it, man. I would not be against it. I, I'm ready for a veteran quarterback to lead this team because I just don't think it's smart. Like, if we draft a quarterback, none of those guys are going to be better than Desmond Ritter right away. Right, uh, I don't think that would be true. I mean, what you think? I'd plug in. I'd plug in Jaden Daniels immediately and let him be electric. At least we'll see how you know much of a pro quarterback he is. But just Daniels. be the electric athlete you are. But instead of instead of Russell Wilson, I mean, I am all the way out on him. You give me Kirk oh, Cousins yeah. on one Achilles, oh, or you throw a bunch of money at Baker Mayfield, even, and I would like that better than. Than bringing in Russell Wilson. Well, I need a vet, man. I need a vet. I need a guy who's been there before and won't just make the tiny little dumb mistakes. That's why we have a losing record. We just make all these tiny little dumb self-inflicted wounds. And if we can just get a guy who's been able to be an NFL quarterback for 10-plus years, I, I think that that would help. Is that good for the long run? Probably not. But for the immediate next season, that would be what I would want. But, but – 
look, my Atlanta Falcons, they're not even completely out of it, Root. You and I, we will be be attending a uh, the Saints-Falcons game this Sunday. Is that is the ticket price on that etching away out of that 100 bucks I owe you any? Uh, no, man, I'm excited. I haven't been to an NFL game, and I just thought of that. I haven't been in a long time. And I go to Georgia games every year, but I haven't been to an NFL game in a very long time. And there's there's a little bit on the line for this game, but yeah. I think everyone's going to be on their phone watching the Tampa Bay <laughs> game while we're in that stadium. Definitely. And, I and yeah, if we check at halftime and somehow Carolina is up like 14-3, to three, you just know the vibes uh, at uh, – what is it, the Caesars Sports Dome or whatever, uh, you know the vibes sure. in there are going to get real excited because now all of a sudden the game means something. But we could be going out to New Orleans to a game that means absolutely nothing. Well, hopefully, you know, at least there's a little something on the line where the players will play. Taylor Heineke, uh, maybe not. So it might be the Desmond Ritter show. Hey. We can really scout let's the guy the for band, sure man. ourselves. Let's, let's Dez's last game, Arthur's last game, you know, just let him <laughs> have fun. Alvin Kamara might not play. That's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. But, hey, listen, I've, it's going to be fun either way. There's something on the line. These teams will try to play each other. Um, In the AFC, I think the biggest game is Miami and Buffalo. Buffalo has the opportunity to – clinch the AFC East but they also had the opportunity to not be in the playoffs at all which is kind of crazy um, what do you think I think that the Bills should win this game Miami they're banged up Tyreek Hill you know his house is done burnt down Jalen Waddle's banged up Bradley Chubb is what tore ACL or something like that I, I think I gotta lean Buffalo here and Buffalo actually has the third best odds to win the entire, you know, the Super Bowl, but they're not even guaranteed to make it in. Been a hot year for Tyreek Hill on and off the field. Uh, sorry, yeah. but um, <laughs> I'm going Buffalo too. They've been hard to believe in a lot of times, but still, this this is a big moment, and it's it's one game, do or die. And I'll believe in Buffalo, but still, it's it's going to be a great game. You mentioned like. Uh, Tampa Bay having to play Carolina or getting to play Carolina, not having to, you know, the Dallas playing Washington, they can wrap it up. You know, some of these games where you're needing the team to lose gets a total cupcake on the schedule for their last game. But I, that's a big one. I'm, I'm with you on Buffalo though. Yeah. And then let's see what else the Steelers they're taking on Baltimore and I think that they would, like, take that last spot from the Bills. Um, so the Steelers should win, but they need, like, some other teams to lose. They need Jacksonville to lose to the Titans and stuff. It's a lot of convoluted stuff. I'm, I got this whole list here on every potential thing that could happen in every game, and it is a lot. Houston is taking on the Colts, and that's basically just a win and get in. So that's pretty simple, but... Some other things get real. That tricky. might be the most fun. That might be the most fun game of the weekend, honestly. Really? I mean, who would believe it? But Colts and Texans. I'm sorry that the Colts. A lot of people thought they might be the worst team in the league this year, but mm -hmm. they play, and that's going to be a fun game. Stroud being back. Um, I love the Houston story. D'Amico Ryan's has done an incredible job. 
Yeah, uh, that'll definitely be a good one. You know, two young teams fighting it out. Um, it is a shame we. It's really just been Gardner Minshew out in Indianapolis, but I mean he's been doing a pretty good job. I always, you think in the Colts are kind of like, why did we draft Anthony Richardson? Um, it just you know how quickly we forget the potential we saw when he played. He'll be back, That's and then right. you'll remember why. That that guy's, you know, he's still got a lot to improve on, but just the the physical guy that he is. I mean. You'll you'll remember quickly why they drafted him where he is. I'm, I'm a believer so far. All right, just big picture though. Do you think that like, like look how all these quarterbacks that have gone down this year, and then you got like Jake Browning who comes in and is able to play just as good as Joe Burrow was before he got hurt. Well, you got Joe Flacco okay. who comes in who's playing better than Deshaun Watson. You got Gardner Minshew you know, bringing the Colts to a winning record. I mean, does – you got Baker Mayfield, right? Is Are we overrating the quarterback position, you think, at this point? Like, do you think that – like, so many teams are good without even having elite quarterback play. Like, I mean, if if, yeah, I mean, I, if you put an elite quarterback you. on this Colts team, it's you, not like they win 13 you gotta games. Go, yeah, you got to go case by case. So that's That's really tough to try to – label all that i mean when a lot of these guys if the offensive line and weapons are there guys will look great but then you know a guy like browning will have a total pedestrian game and you realize oh yeah burrow is the guy he does it consistently so you know backups are backups often for a reason yeah they're talented enough to give you a lot every now and then maybe but but still i mean deshaun watson okay right yeah that's I'm not going to go case by case on all of them, but still, I mean, yeah, there's talented backups in the league. That's but I mean, that's look true, like you look at the Steelers, Mason Rudolph. It looks like he's the best quarterback on that team. He was their third stringer. They had to go all the way through Mitch Trubisky to even get to him, and he looks like he's by far the better quarterback. And Tua, he's having a pretty good year out in Miami, and people still say they don't even know if he's good or not. So I just don't even know what to think anymore, man. Is Jared Goff good? I, well, I mean, all these teams you talk, Miami and Detroit, I mean, incredible weapons and offensive lines around these guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, you're going to take Jared Goff as looking like the answer because he just controls it well. You know, yeah, he's he's pretty, really good sometimes. He's very good. Um, but you give him the offensive line and weapons, and he looks like a guy you want to hang on to for forever as long as you can. See, that's why I need um, to get Russell so, Wilson out in Atlanta. And in the app, they're saying, who wants Russell Wilson? He's like pus coming out of a pimple. Uh, you realize if the Falcons trade for Russell Wilson, he's going to be making like 50 mil. No, I, I don't think anyone's going to trade for Russell Wilson. The Broncos are going to cut Russell Wilson and lose $80 million. And then the next team that signs Russell Wilson, they're only going to pay him probably, what do you think, Root, like 15 mil? They're paying Baker eight. Yeah, I mean, it's been a real rough time for Bryce Young in Carolina, but watching C.J. Stroud, it really can help get you in a place where you're talking yourself into a guy like Jaden Daniels. I mean, I just I understand the veteran and where the Falcons are. Yeah, they've got good pieces, um, but still, man, having a, a guy like that where, you know, young guys can come into the league and, and look very good. 
So see, but it's not it's know. not I'm a normal not guy. I agree with you on Russell Wilson. It, it it isn't a normal guy running the team though. We'd get Jaden Daniels, and then Arthur Smith would be like, oh, see, they would expect us to throw it and run it with Jaden Daniels. So we're gonna run this jet sweep to Jonu Smith. So we would then have like five decoys on our offense and just continue pounding it with Tyler Algier. But Root, good hearing from you, man. Thanks for chatting with me on this Friday edition of the show, and I look forward to seeing you Sunday. Who's driving to New Orleans, man? That'd be you, buddy. Can't wait. We'll what? have fun. I can I can take the truck though, right? You're putting gas in the old girl, oh, sure. Oh man, no, we definitely taking the Kia Rio. All right, Root, I'll holler at you <laughs> later, man. All right, we'll see you. The one, the only, the myth, the legend, Stephen Root. Super, super short segment coming back. This show is basically done. But don't change that channel. Man, we've had some great guests today. Jake Crane, JT Crabtree. But when we come back, I'm literally going to be here for like 30 seconds. So I'm just going to wish you guys all a great weekend and that'll probably be it. But stay tuned. Maybe during the break, I'm going to try and find some interesting nugget of knowledge. So don't tune that channel because you're not going to want to miss out on what I'm about to reveal. I'll find something, hopefully. But you're listening to The Final Drive. We'll be right back. My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. Welcome back. Last segment of the show here. What all have we talked about today? Roy Dell Williams is in the transfer portal. Hugh Freeze fires his offensive coordinator. There is this recruit <laughs> going around. Corey and I talked about this off air, and rightfully so, but... His last name starts with a K. I'll say that. Noah. I'm just going to abbreviate the last name. Noah K. Um, y- you just got to look look that up. I can't. I can't say the name. Maybe if Corey was here, he could. Oh gosh, that is some funny stuff. That uh, I don't know what NIL deals will c- potentially come out of this guy's name, but look up. Just type in Noah K. Recruit, and you and you'll see the why I am not able to talk about it as much. Some other kind of crazy news: Pat McAfee is calling out ESPN and the upper guys there trying to sabotage his show. He's saying that on his show on ESPN. This whole Pat McAfee thing might be coming to a conclusion in the near future. Or maybe all these guys he's talking about at ESPN will get out of there. I don't know. But you definitely can't be criticizing Jimmy Kimmel. Making little Epstein list jokes. Jimmy Kimmel, you you work for the same company as Jimmy. And he's been there a lot longer than you. But guys, thanks for hanging out with us on this Friday edition of The Final Drive. Enjoy your weekend. I hope your NFL team gets into the playoffs if they're still trying, unless they're the New Orleans Saints. So good luck, guys. I'll talk to you guys Monday, National Championship.